When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the Bleacher Connection with your host, Ken and Trevor, your source for sports and all things in between. As always, you can find us on social media. On Twitter, Trevor is at TheBleacherCon1, and I'm at TheBleacherCon2, and our Facebook page, The Bleacher Connection Podcast. And on this episode of The Bleacher Connection Podcast, we're going to talk about the Calgary Flames bringing back Daryl Sutter. We're well underway now in his era, and Ken and I need to discuss this. Uh, we're also going to talk about some CFL XFL partnership talks word is out there. There's a pretty big bomb drop this week. And as always, we're going to have our weekly features that's offside. And are you kidding me? Ken, before we get going with today's episode, did you want to bring some of our listeners up to speed with some personal podcast news that we would like to share? Yeah. So recently we, uh, we decided to take a step back from the Unhinged Sports Network, and we definitely want to thank them for the opportunity. We're going to be taking some time to try and make sure that we're bringing you guys the best content uh, possible. We're working on some things that are to help grow the podcast, and we're just really excited for it. But we did want to thank the, the Unhinged Network for the opportunity. Yeah, I'm going to second that. I really want to thank uh, Jim and the gang at the Unhinged Sports Network for giving us a platform for lots of people to hear us. We're we're very grateful for what they did provide us. I want to give a big shout out to uh, Jimmy Pilato, who, you know, he also did some recordings of Two for Chirping with us on the Unhinged Sports Network. And, you know, he's a real up and comer in the industry. And you know, I just, a big thank you to these guys. But at this point in time, you know, Ken, as we discussed, we felt like it was time to focus on the Bleacher Connection. And we wanted to put all of our efforts back into our own show to bring the best content possible for our loyal listeners. But again, that's, we still want to say thank you to Unhinged for that opportunity. This is in no way a uh, uh, shot at them in any way. It was a personal decision by both Ken and I to want to focus on our own podcast a little bit more. So thank you. Yeah, but do check it out. If you guys did enjoy two for chirping, that will be continuing. So make sure you uh, turn into Tune in to hear what they got going on. But uh, with some of that, we do have some exciting news. You know, last episode, we interviewed Kelly Bates, which I, I don't know about you, Trevor. I, I'm pretty sure it's the same. I had a blast. That was just awesome hearing some of those stories he had about his career and his time still in the CFL. It was so much fun. Yeah, that was that was an absolute riot. Uh, both Ken and I were, I'm not going to lie, fairly nervous heading into the the interview. It was kind of one of our very first big shots at, you know, putting some real different content out there for our listeners. And, and I know prior to leading up to the hour or so before, both of us were like, are you ready for this? Are we sure? And I just, it was awesome. Kelly was amazing. He, uh, he didn't hold back. He, he let us have our fun. He let us ask our questions. And moving forward, we've actually got some more exciting stuff lined up with a few more interviews hopefully booked for the, the next couple of weeks. And Ken and I have really decided we want to put a, a focus on our Canadian football league that we love so much. And part of one of the reasons why we actually did leave the unhinged network was to really focus on our Canadian football league content, because it's near and dear to us. Uh, we've both been season ticket holders in the past. I still am. And we just feel like with the year, of no CFL in 2020 and it's starting to potentially ratchet back up. We want to give it all the coverage we can and all the exposure we can. So very exciting times. Uh, it looks like we've got potentially a couple players coming to join us and some uh, media members. So tune in, we will be releasing some information on our Twitter as we get closer to that time, but a very exciting time. Yeah, definitely got some exciting things trying to work on bringing, bringing you guys uh the best content I've been when Trevor's at work on Mondays and it's my day off, I've been trying to email some of the CFL teams and then how to 
few emails back. So hopefully that can turn into some things and we can, uh, we can bring you guys players, coaches, and, and a lot more. And definitely gonna be trying to reach out potentially to the blue Jays, to teams in the NHL. Why not see if we can get some, uh, get some players on here and be as nervous as we were last week. It's all part of growing professionally. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring you new, exciting and, and just different content. And, and we're still going to do our regular shows. Like not everything's going to be an interview, but we, if we get the opportunity, we're not going to say no, but you know, for today's episode we're we're just going to go back to some good old news and, and kind of shoot the breeze about sports. And then the next couple of episodes will be some interviews and just, Lots of different, different things coming out, and we will keep the listeners well-informed. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's fun times, that's, that's for sure. So moving into the first segment of our show, we're going to get into that soft side. And Ken, I think we're going to lean on the NHL on this this week on our that soft side. There's been a few things happened in the last week or so that really had us scratching our head. So where, where do you want to take off on it? Well, I, I don't think it's just the NHL and more specifically player safety. I think it goes to some of the players as well that have been why this is even a topic right now with player safety. There was two hits that happened over this past week that resulted in suspensions. And frankly, in my opinion, not harsh enough. Tom Wilson put Brendan Carlo in an ambulance on the way to the hospital with a pure hit to the head, which they somehow worded to be boarding and not a illegal check to the head, which meant a lesser suspension potentially. And then Dante Fabro, almost an identical hit uh, in a game with, a, with an elbow. Both, both of the players who were hit had their heads smashed against the glass. Wilson got a seven-game suspension, Fabro only two. And Tom Wilson's a repeat offender. I just don't get it. Now, by the letter of the law, Tom Wilson isn't a repeat offender, though, because I don't like these rules where it's like if X amount of time passes between X play and this play and this suspendable play, it it doesn't count as a repeat offender. That's garbage. The guy's been suspended multiple times and, and fined multiple times. So how you don't consider that or a repeat offender? Sure, they look at the history, but taking away the repeat offender uh, portion of it reduces the suspension. And to me, it's ridiculous. Yeah. The, he, he served a 20 game suspension, not that long ago. And it was an ugly hit. It was unnecessary. It was unneeded and unsafe. Now player safety is supposed to be there to look at these plays, give an appropriate suspension to deter these actions from happening but it continues time and time and time again. And until the league steps in and actually does something substantial with it, they're completely offside because players and the players are as well, because they're not, they're putting their own peers and essentially they're all coworkers. They all work for the league in one way or another. They're putting each other's careers at risk and it's just not right. Well, and, and to further the player talk, you've got someone like Alexander Ovechkin speaking out going, that was a suspension? Like, how sure you're his teammate and you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but Ovechkin's talking about there shouldn't have even been a penalty on the play. He said that wasn't even a two-minute minor for boarding, let alone a seven-game suspension. That That mentality of the players around the league has to change as well. Like, I know we like to blame the hitter or the hit he quite often. Well, we need to blame every player. And this reaction by Alexander Ovechkin is almost as dangerous as the hit itself, where you're just kind of like, ah, eh, it doesn't really matter. Ah, whatever, who cares? That's just as dangerous. Turning a blind eye to it or like, la, la, la. It's just stupid. Like, come yeah. on, Ovechkin. And I mean, Ovi's one of my favorite players. I, I, I like him. I think he's, Me too. he's great. But, I mean, he got away with a $5,000 fine for essentially trying to slash a guy in half from the growing up. Like, that's well, he five games. He absolutely he's speared Ovi's a guy not. in the twig and berries and didn't get anything for it. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of pathetic at how the, the cap hit matters when it comes to a suspension. If you well, suspend was... Ovi then that's just a huge loss for the league. Well, there was a Brad Marchand incident in the past week 
where he essentially cross-checked another player in the back of the head in the goal crease and nothing came of it. And it wasn't as dirty or as vicious as like the Tom Wilson hit, we'll say, but it was still a two-handed cross-check kind of to the back of a guy's like almost neck and head that dropped him to the ground. Like player safety isn't entirely on the league. Player safety is on the players. Absolutely. And you're just not seeing it. There was a, there's a somewhat questionable hit by Michael Backlund against the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday night where it didn't even get called on the ice where he, I think it was Brendan Gallagher. He hit from behind into the glass and there was nothing. And those types of hits, like they need to get rid of that stuff. It was late. It was from behind player safety starts with the players and they need to get into it because they're offside. Well, and, you look at Alex Chase on and suspendable. I, I think a game was fair enough for it. He got one game for a, when I say weak in, by I mean in comparison to the two hits that Wilson and Fabro delivered, it was, it was a love tap compared to those two hits and he got a game suspension for it. And so he should have, but if you look at the difference between the Fabro hit and the chase on hit, the fact that it's a one game difference in, in a suspension is a joke. How many times are we seeing guys also slew foot an opponent in one way or another and kick their feet out, take their feet out, and they go flying down? These guys have to get it together. Otherwise, it's just going to be a continuous rotating fine and weak suspension from the league. Well, you brought up a slew foot. We saw one last weekend, uh, the Flames and the Oilers, Kyler Yamamoto slew footed Rasmus Anderson out front of the net. Penalty was called, and sure, there was a fine, but what does Yamamoto care if he gets a $5,000 fine? That doesn't mean anything. And it wasn't even, that was $3,500, if I remember correctly. So a fine on a play like that is just as ridiculous. Like, if it if it is worthy of a fine, it's worthy of a game. Because a fine literally does nothing to curb this attitude. And well, not- it's, it's silly. Well, a fine in the NHL isn't the isn't 5,000 the maximum allowed under the yeah. CBA yeah. 5,000. That's nothing to these guys that are playing. That's right? nothing to you either, Ken, but that's okay. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't want to, but it's one of those things like the, the NFL has like a, you know, a $50,000 fine. Other sports have actual fines that are somewhat, you know, a hit to the pocketbook for these guys. It's, it's ridiculous. Well, we saw Ovechkin got fined $5,000. It literally worked out to 0.00003% of his annual salary. It would have been like you and I losing $5. Like, it's ridiculous that that's, that'll learn them. Like, yeah. give me a break. That's just silliness. Actually, player safety needs to be taken seriously. To me, that Tom Wilson hit should have been upwards of 15, 20 games. Get this guy changes his ways the Dante Fabro probably should have been more I don't believe he's a repeat offender so I'll give him the, the benefit of the doubt but Marchand should have maybe got a game you got to start actually punishing these guys or nothing's ever going to change well here's a fix stop putting it ex NHLers in that lead role of making the decision you have George Peros in there right now who I do believe went to an Ivy League school and you know He's a smart guy or whatever, but he was a goon. He was a fighter. He didn't like, you know, I'm sure he put a few pucks in the net in his career, but his job was to protect the other players on his team from people doing the exact same thing that he is suspending them for now. And it's just a joke that you have someone who made a career out of essentially beating the hell out of people making these calls. So bring in a third party that, didn't play in the NHL goes by the letter of the law and picks an appropriate suspension. You just hit the nail on the head. I was literally just going to say that bring in an independent third party and, and lay groundworks where hit to the head uh, resulting in injury ranges five to 10 games. Let the independent guy make the decision. First offense, five games, second offense, 10 games, and then, you know, hit to the head that doesn't result in injury. First offense, one game. Second offense, three games. Put some, like, actual 
measurements in there for games. And if it's your third suspension, then it's an automatically minimum five games plus whatever your foul is. Put some actual parameters around it for an independent third party. You'll get rid of the guesswork right away. It's like, this is your second suspension. That's guaranteed, guaranteed minimum three games because it's your second suspension plus the actual offense. Yeah. Work off of that. Give them games just because they've been suspended before. Third suspension, minimum five. Fourth suspension, minimum 10 plus the foul. That will start to curb some of this, this, uh, these problems. Yeah. It, they need to fix it and get that under control because it's getting ugly again. The, the whole reason that you had enforcers and guys out there was to police the game. Now you've uh, got the instigator penalty. You've brought in a lot of things to change the game for the better so that you don't necessarily need to carry a guy like that if for solely for three minutes a night to fight if need be. You know, you got guys with more penalty minutes in a game than ice time, right? Like it doesn't make a lot of sense, but they were at least there to police the game so that you didn't have guys running around taking cheap shots. Well, you still have an enforcer policing the game. Unfortunately, it's not on the ice. It's in a suit and tie in an office in Toronto or New York or wherever they decide they want to be. So I guess the, the NHL still got the enforcers policing the game, but uh, I don't think they're doing it right. No, Corey Perry's been get, gotten off a few times since George Peros has uh, taken over that role. And you kind of look back to their days as teammates. And that's part of the problem is you have guys who – have recently left the game yeah that have relationships with guys who should be suspended and they get off with less than a slap on the wrist it's time for change do you guys agree with us we'd love to hear from you are we out to lunch on player safety or are you just as frustrated as we are i'm gonna guess it's the latter but we still want to hear from you on twitter at the BleacherCon one at the BleacherCon two or on our facebook page the bleacher connection So Ken, in the last week or so, the Calgary Flames have made some significant news. And I know on this show, especially, I was calling for Jeff Ward to lose his job. You, as a Canuck fan, thought it might need to happen. Well, it did happen. And the Calgary Flames brought back a very familiar face in the city of Calgary. And and kind of shockingly as well, after Jeff Ward won a game 7-3, got axed that night, and news broke on Twitter late at night um, that Daryl Sutter was was on a tractor coming down from the farm down Highway 2 in Alberta. What was your first reaction when you heard that that the Flames, A, let Ward go, I don't think we were shocked, but B, Daryl Sutter was was the replacement? Well, first off, you said late at night. They hadn't finished the player... Uh, press conferences after the game when that news hit. Uh, I think Ward left the bench, walked down the hall and got the, hey, can you come see me from Bradtree Living? And as the players were doing their press conference, he got relieved. I was a little surprised at the timing. If you were going to do it and you had it lined up, why not just do it in the morning in the before the game started? You had to have had it kind of already set up or – let the guy sleep on a win and do it first thing Monday morning. You didn't, you flames weren't playing the next day. So I was a little like surprised of the timing of how it went down in that sense, because it was yeah right after, you know, you flames had lost a few games in a row. They come out, they put up that seven, three, seven, four, whatever it was, big goal win. And Jeff Ward's fired. And it was like, Ooh, okay. Interesting. I think you and I, you were, we had recorded something that night and, or had a, a sit down and you're like, Oh, I'm going to watch the game after. And I completely forgot as soon as the TSN alert came across that Daryl Sutter had been hired. And I text you and I'm like, Oh, he's still watching the game. Um, I'm a little surprised it was Sutter, but I think that with the, with what's going on in the team, you kind of need that hard ass mentality that he, I think brings to the team to get them back on the right track. I don't know. I know Sam Bennett's seeming saying that he's liking it a lot. Like he's going to have a second chance, but I was a little surprised. I've said it to you before. I'm not a fan of bringing back coaches or GMs that you've relieved of their duties before, but I think in a sense that it was a, he's got a history with the team. He's got a winning pedigree 
and he didn't have to spend two weeks in quarantine. Um, they gave him a three-year deal, but I was shocked actually when I saw it was a three-year deal, but you know what? This team needs some stability and five coaches in six years is not stability that this core, there's something wrong with this core in Calgary. And I got my fingers crossed that Daryl Sutter is the solution. One of the reasons I think he might be is historically speaking in the past, the flames core, and I'm going to say Goudreau and Monaghan have performed better under hard ass coaches like Bob Hartley and Bill Peters they got the most out of them. Unfortunately though, for both of those coaches in the past, it was only about a season to a season and a half of good hockey. They got out of them before they kind of uh, mutinied on them. So I'm, I'm optimistic that Daryl Sutter is going to be able to turn the flames around uh, after two games. I'm a little more optimistic than I was when it originally happened because the flames have come out and only given up two goals in two games won both games against the Montreal Canadiens in must-win games. Had they lost, they'd have been buried in the standings and out of it, in my opinion. They, they, you just saw a different style of play. They were fast. They moved the puck well. There wasn't these crazy mistakes. They, it's amazing how a week has transformed this team. I, I don't think it's permanent. I, I do think we're going to relapse a little bit, but just in the short period of time, they're playing fast. And we, as a Flames fan, I have not seen that all year. So initial reactions to Daryl Sutter so far, very good. Flames Nation is very excited about him being here. I, You can see it on Twitter. Like there was pitchforks for Jeff Ward every night. And people were ecstatic when they heard that, that it was Daryl Sutter coming back. No, was that a, you know, ecstatic because it was Sutter or ecstatic because it wasn't Ward anymore? Because I, I look at it too, like he's been out of the game for a little bit. So is there the potential for that? The game has passed Daryl Sutter by a bit and the team is coming out because, well, we better do something. They just fired the coach. Um, I'm going to say no. And the reason I say that is, Daryl Sutter won two Stanley Cups with the Los Angeles Kings. From the time Daryl Sutter left the, the Flames bench in seven years between his stint with the behind the Flames bench and the Los Angeles Kings, he's only three and a half years removed from being behind an NHL bench this time. So do I think the games passed him by? No, actually, I don't. And one of the reasons I, I believe that is in his introductory press conference, Daryl Sutter pretty much said coaching is about relationships. He goes, that's never changed. And he goes, you need to maximize your relationships, both, both positively and negatively to get the most out of your players. And he goes, I'm good at that. And that part of the coaching hasn't changed. So for that reason, I, I'm optimistic and I don't think the game has passed him by. So we, we all know that Sam Bennett has requested a trade. Now, if Sutter, I'll, I'll let you answer your, give your thoughts first, and then I'll give you mine. If Sutter can get more out of Bennett than the other coaches, does that go away? No, because Sam Bennett's had four or five coaches already and never gotten more. No one's ever gotten more out of them. If Daryl Sutter does it, he's he's a magician and he's worth every penny the Flames just paid him. But to be fair to the other guys on the team, Sam Bennett did request a trade. And at some point you're going to have to uh, give in to that or hold on to him to be taken in the expansion draft. It's my belief right now that the Flames haven't done anything with Sam Bennett because they're holding on to him for the Seattle Kraken to take him. Uh, unless, unless Daryl Sutter is a magician and turns Sam Bennett around all of a sudden into a fourth overall pick. If he does, Sam Bennett's not going anywhere. See, my opinion on that is you get rid of him. Me too. You hang, you hang on to him to the end of the year and you get rid of him because he doesn't want to be there. He's valued himself over everyone else and he's put himself above the team. His play put him where he was under all of those coaches 
It wasn't like he was being sandbagged by one coach and then another comes in and you're like, oh, hey, this is the real Sam Bennett. What was going on with this coach here? And it hasn't carried over, say, go back to Hartley and then you go Peters, Ward, and now Sutter. Oh, it's it, 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 it goes back to all of them. He thinks he is level B. He's, you know, a top six forward. And he hasn't done anything, not just of late, but really at all to say he is. And he wants out for that opportunity. I would be really upset as a, as another player on that team that he's there come training camp next year, because he doesn't want to be part of that team. I think it was uh, Dave Nonis. I want to go back to with the Canucks. So Nonis or Gillis who said about uh, Ryan Kessler, if you don't want to be here, I don't want you here. I'll, I'll get you out. And I, I absolutely love that from the, the GM because if a player doesn't want to be on the team, then get rid of them. Do like yeah. you get what you can. You may take a loss in it, especially if they've made it known that they want out, but get what you can and move on and build your team around guys that want to be there. So I yeah, think Sam, Bennett, Sam Bennett, Sam Bennett's biggest problem. Isn't the Calgary flames. Sam Bennett's biggest problem is Sam Bennett and he needs to turn it around. I hope he does. I really hope Daryl Sutter does get the most out of him. And I, I hope that Sam Bennett's a flame for life because if he is, that means Sam Bennett has turned into a fourth overall pick and is all of a sudden producing. Do I think that's going to happen? I, I'm going to say the chances are slim to minimal to almost none because yeah. we've seen it before. His work ethic just wanes, it goes away. And, and I hope that at some point you just got to cut bait and, and, and that's it. Uh, Daryl Sutter so far in two games has gotten more out of them, but I just, I don't see it lasting. And I'm with you at some point, you just got to say you're out of here, Sam, and either get something for him or let him be the guy who's gone in expansion. So you don't lose something else because of Sam Bennett. Yeah. And I was going to say, there's, there's one thing here. Victor Mete also from Montreal Canadians requested a trade this season. You know, what does Sam Bennett and Victor Mete have in common? They yeah. have the same agent. So is Sam Bennett being fed information poorly from his agent that says you should be a top six guy. You should be a top three forward because if Sam Bennett gets a bump in salary, guess what the agent gets as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably based on percentages. So, I mean, like, we all know agents have a part to play for their clients. I mean, Alan Walsh is at it again for, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, where Peter DeBoer said that his coaching has helped, you know, Fleury get back his game this year and turn it around. And Alan Walsh found that to be absolutely ludicrous and laughable, but who knows what's going on behind the scenes. But one way or another, I don't think Sam Bennett is going to be a flame. No, I would have to agree with you. Um, I kind of want to get back to Daryl Sutter. We went on a bit of a tangent here on Sam Bennett, but I think the conversation needed to be had. The thing that I most uh, want to see about the entire Daryl Sutter era revolves around 13 and 23 for the Calgary Flames. Sean Monahan, Johnny Goudreau. This 30-game kind of rest of this season to me is an audition to see if Goudreau and Monahan want to be here and can play under his system. And if the Flames make a playoff run and get in or get close and those two are key contributors they will stay if Goudreau and Monaghan don't turn it around I they're gone and I think you're going to see Daryl Sutter work with the let's call it the new core of this team which would be Matthew Kachuk, Elias Lindholm, Dylan Dubé, Andrew Bongiapani, Rasmus Anderson I think you could start to see a kind of changing of the guard that might actually need to happen. I was surprised it didn't happen last season. I think Daryl Sutter has been given, I think one of the reasons he was given a three-year term was this first one, the first season is these 30 games is strictly an audition. Who wants to be here? And then changes will happen in the off season. And then you got two years of full Daryl Sutter. Do you want to be here? Let's try to win a cup. In his words, I've got unfinished business here. Bradshaw Living's going to give him players that he believes can help him complete that business. Yeah. So you kind of said it though, like both 
Monahan and Goudreau have had that kind of hard-ass coach before, and it's lasted a season and a half. So do you hedge your bets that Daryl Sutter can somehow get multiple full seasons out of these guys that way? Or do you pick one and cup eight on the other and let Daryl do his magic with the other guys? I would think you would probably cut bait on one of them for sure. Um, two games into the era, uh, Sean Manahan looks like he might be back scoring two goals in a second game and actually being a little bit more physically engaged. Uh, Johnny Goudreau looked to be playing a smarter brand of hockey. I know he's a very high risk player. Uh, it may not be as conducive to stats, but he's still playing good hockey. And there's been a lot of superstars in the past who've played for Daryl Sutter and Andre Kopitar comes to mind. These guys took personal hits in their stats for team success. If Goudreau and Monaghan are willing to buy in to play hockey the right way, maybe have to sacrifice some stats to play better hockey, they're going to be better off for it. And if they can't, they won't be here. So, okay, take a guy like... Uh, Matthew Kachuk because under Daryl Sutter and I think it was the first game for the last six and a half minutes of the game he was on the bench Good. not necessarily it wasn't a I don't know if it was a benching or whatever it was but Daryl didn't play him how's that going to go over with a guy like Kachuk that I think views himself as a leader and top guy on that team I think it'll go over just fine because when Daryl Sutter is in a dressing room he commands respect he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion He's got his career win-loss record is, I think he's 100 games above 500 for his career. I think it's more. Even with the Flames in his two and a half seasons before, he was 80 games above 500. Daryl Sutter commands respect. But Daryl Sutter also gives respect and creates uh, relationships. If Matthew Kachuk didn't deserve to be on the ice, Daryl Sutter's not going to put him on the ice. Matthew Kachuk did not deserve to be on the ice for those final eight minutes. The third and fourth line were significantly outplaying any of the other lines. You got to put the lines out there that are going to give you the best chance to win. But into the next game, that line of Kachuk, Lindholm, and Dubé outchanced their opposition 16 to 4. So I would think Matthew Kachuk took it just fine. He got a point the next game. He was a dominant force. This is going to happen. And some of these, I'm almost going to say prima donnas in Calgary are in for an awakening, but Daryl Sutter commands respect and they will listen to him. And if they don't listen to him, they won't play or they won't be here. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, Daryl Sutter coming back. I was a, I was a little surprised, I was surprised, but not overly when they announced it. Cause uh, I know Calgary has always had a very, large place for Daryl Sutter or any Sutter really. Well, he said Calgary or Chicago were the only two teams that he would have come back to coach for. So I personally am excited to have him back. uh, And we'll see where the rest of this season goes in the next two seasons. Well, he's still rocking the same pair of skates he's had uh, since he joined the coaching ranks with Chicago. So yeah, I think those things are older than baseball. (laughs) Yeah. There was a good clip of them on hockey night in Canada last night. The, the skates were there. If you, it's on Twitter. If you if you just Google or uh, Twitter Daryl Sutter skates, and you'll find them. They're uh, they're well used. Yeah, I, th- I think the equipment guys are hoping he sharpens his own so they don't have to touch them. Yeah. <laughs> so Flames Nation, let us know what you guys think. Are you excited as I am for Daryl Sutter being back? Reach out on Twitter at the BleacherCon one, at the BleacherCon two, or send us a message on Facebook at the Bleacher Connection. All right, so that's that's going to bring us to our Are You Kidding Me segment of the show. The first part off, Trevor, I saw this and shook my head. It's not the first time this year where Evander Kane's uh, bankruptcy situation has come up. But where I went, are you kidding me? Is now the Sharks are getting involved with it. And the talk is that the team is going to terminate his contract potentially any, any time now, which still has... $29 million to be earned left on the seven-year deal he signed in 2018. What happens there is a lot of his creditors and what is owed is based on his contract. Money he was borrowed or got things off of 
based on his pot potential and future earnings of that massive contract. Are you kidding me? You have the means to pay back the 26.8 million you owe. You also have 10 million in assets and you're going to close up shop on your contract so you don't have to pay? Are you kidding me? Anyone else does not get that option. You have the ability to not just pay back your the people you owe money to, but still be left with a you know, few million dollars in cash and assets in the millions and then sign a new deal and continue. Why are you going to get away with not owing or not paying back what you owe? I think this is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it it almost seems shady to me, but I guess the Sharks want to do what's best for the player. And in this case, terminating his contract appears to be what's best for the player. That that that's completely bass backwards if you ask me. It's you know, normally it's the player is better off for having a contract. What I don't understand about this situation is if they were to terminate his contract, would they then just re-sign him to a league minimum deal so he can still play? Or is the league going to step in and say, nah, -uh, this, this, ain't, this ain't kosher? I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to pretend to understand the legal ramifications, but it just, it seems fishy to me. And again, why does a guy who made terrible financial decisions in the past and like you said, probably does have the means to pay him back, get to potentially get off scot-free. I don't know, pay your money back and then maybe sign another contract when this one's over and maybe hope to make some more money. I, I don't know. I'm this one's off to me. I don't understand. Athletes going into bankruptcy is not anything new. It happens a lot for whatever reason being defrauded by uh, you know air quote friends and family it happens uh, but it's very rare from what I read this was on the athletic that the team really gets involved and it, it's just if I was a person that Evander Kane owed money to and the Sharks were going to do this so that he didn't have to pay back I'm going after the Sharks you now got involved you had like he had the way to do it. This isn't a case where Evander Kane worked a nine to five job, got let go because of the economy, got let go because of poor performance, whatever. He's this has been going on for since the season started. There was talk they might uh, terminate his contract in the in the preseason or sorry in training camp. So if I was someone that Evander Kane owed money to, I'd be saying to the Sharks, "I'm coming after you now because you agreed to." skirt the rules, circumvent the rules and, and do this and take away my opportunity to be paid what I was owed. Cause I'm pretty sure if someone did that to the sharks, they'd be pretty upset about it as well. It's just, this is a huge joke. And if they do terminate this contract, I hope the league steps, steps in and says, sorry, you're ineligible to be signed until that deal runs out. I'm going to put this into a, more of a real world perspective. If you or I were facing financial difficulties where we couldn't afford to pay our bills, the first thing we would do would be to downsize our life, start selling stuff, start that way. Anything extravagant that we don't need. Uh, do I really need the cable package? No, I better cut that back. My question is, has Evander Kane downsized his life? Has he moved into a little, little apartment? Has he sold his big house that he's living in, I'm assuming, whereas multi-million dollar condo and is he living in a place with a $1,500 a month rent like the rest of us would I'm going to venture a guess that the answer to that is no so why is he not being forced to downsize his life just like you and I would have to if we were in this situation if you and I can were in this situation chances are it would have been our fault in the first place so we would have to deal with it and yeah. sure, there's always the option to declare bankruptcy, but that's supposed to have significant financial ramifications for the rest of your life. Well, if, if Evander Kane gets to do that and then signs another huge contract, well, he doesn't face those financial hardships. So I don't know. This is off to me. But again, I'm, I'm no legal analyst and I'm not going to pretend to be so. Yeah, neither am I. I just think it's pretty, uh, like you said, it's, it's a bit shady. So in the world of the NHL, we had some more shocking news this week, and I've decided that I'm going to tackle this one. 
just to maybe spare our listeners another uh, Ken-inspired rant on the goaltender in St. Louis. And this piece of news that we're discussing is a Bennington contract extension. Six years, $6 million. Are you kidding me? This is insane. That's Jacob Markstrom money. Uh, Bennington, in my opinion, isn't as good as Markstrom. Uh, Bennington had a good 25 games. He won a Stanley Cup. Good on him. They'll never take that away from him. He had a good 25 games and a Stanley Cup run. It's kind of been uh, dog shirt since. He hasn't done a whole lot. He's had essentially sub 900 save percentage, high twos, lows threes, goals against average. Uh, I think in his five of his last six starts, he has like given up four or five goals in all of them. Like, what are they smoking in St. Louis? Because whatever it is, I don't want any. This is this is insane. This is more than, are you kidding me? This is just bonkers, this contract. I can't hack this. I saw it and I was like, whoa, really? Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of, are you kidding me in this? This is a guy who in his first season, so his first NHL game was 2015, 2016, where he came in in relief and allowed one goal on four shots. That is the the introduction to Jordan Bennington in the NHL, 2015, 2016. He did not step on the ice again until January, 2018, the 2018, 2019 season where he did win 24 games. He then won 30 in a shortened season in 1920. And out of starting 20 games this year, he has won nine, almost I'd say 40% of his wins his 63 wins have come in one season. You are paying a guy for half a season, really? Cause he only played for half the year. Yes, you won the cup, but you know what? That was a team. He didn't he didn't win the the con Smythe in that, which means it wasn't, you know, he played really well in there. I'll give him that. But they didn't even view him as the con Smythe as the only sole reason they won that cup. Way too much. You know, like let's I'm gonna throw some names out there. Uh Marc Andre Fleury makes seven million or makes seven million a season. Worth earned. It. John Gibson, six point four. Earned All when they were, it's okay. Yeah, it, it's an older deal, so we'll give him that. Matt Maybe Murray. a triple, not a home run. Yeah. Matt Murray, 6.25. Way too much. Yeah, whoa, that's bad. <laughs> that, that's, that's Jordan Biddington bad. Yeah, it, it's looking that way. Now we're getting a little bit closer. Connor Hellebuck coming off of Vesna win. 6.166. Earned. Well I'm earned. Skip, I'm going to skip Corey Schneider for because for some reason, Cap Friendly still had him making 6 mil. And I don't think that's what he signed for in, on the island. So we'll skip him. Jacob Markstrom, 6 million. Earned. Well earned over a career numbers of developing and everything. And so is all the other guys. They all started off and earned those big dollars they're making right now. And this is like, this is ranging from fifth to 16th in size of contracts, but Jonathan quick, Martin Jones is at 5.75, maybe a little high, a little high. Robin Lehner is at 5 million too low. Becca Rene, 5 million. Semyon Varlamov, 5 million. And then Frederick Anderson is where I cut off the list at 5 million as well. Jordan Bennington has not been in the league and developed and earned the money like the guys that we just mentioned. This is way too much for the, the sample size he has provided. He lost the net twice last year. Of those names that you just mentioned, I don't know how many of them I would take Bennington over. Maybe Grubauer or not Grubauer, uh, Varlamov, maybe. Uh, Matt Murray Matt Murray yeah that could just be where he's playing I don't know but there's you name 10 goalies and I might take two of them Bennington over two of them that's not good but St. Louis is hurting for cap space in a couple of seasons they're going to look at this contract and go what the hell were we thinking so St. Louis are you kidding me Someone on Twitter said it was the curse six by six and that's, yeah. So there's a, there's a player in Vancouver that signed a six by six and disappeared. 
I think, well, I'm I think hoping fa- there's no curse six by six in Calgary because that's exactly <laughs> what Markstrom got. <laughs> well, yeah, I I don't think he will be, but the two players in question, Bennington and Erickson, I think they will disappear before the ink dries because I think he signed that deal and then allowed four or five goals the next night. So typical Bennington fashion, I guess. So Ken, the next one on our list, and you sent this to me in a tweet, and I literally had to read this five or six times to understand what the hell they were saying. I am like, what, what are they missing a comma? Are they, was there nope. supposed to be a period here somewhere? Take it away, Ken. I'm just dumbfounded by this. So in the, in the year of we need to find ways to make money, the oh so cash strapped NCAA uh, university, you know, sports system, Michigan state university has changed their name to the msu spartans presented by rocket mortgage msu spartans presented by rocket mortgage i did not say that incorrectly that's why i repeated it what are you doing guys are you kidding me like i hope they don't have to put that on a jersey because they're gonna need about two feet to fit it all in this is just ridiculous that's fine have the team sponsored for but why change the actual official name like this is this is crazy. The NCAA is essentially a printing press for money. They don't pay any of their players, and their coaches get paid millions. Well, of they do. They just won't admit to it. <laughs> yeah. What I don't understand is, couldn't they have just maybe sold a little patch on the jersey that said Rocket Mortgage on it, and uh, just got the same coverage, or or, or maybe paid to uh, you know maybe on the TV screen have a Rocket Mortgage banner behind them, but to literally call the team the MSU Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage is asinine. It's just like, what are we doing? Every player is now going to have to wear a headband that says Rocket Mortgage all the way across. I don't know. This is just dumb. I tried to throw it out there to see if we could get someone to, you know, the Bleacher Connection podcast presented, but it didn't go anywhere. No one one picked up the phone to try and... uh, you know, pay us to put their name to it. So I tried. What the Calgary flames brought to you by Husky oil. Like it just, it just doesn't make sense. It's, I don't know. I'm all for revenue opportunities and try to grow the game, but this one, uh, this one might be a little, little far reaching for me. Oh, that's a head scratcher. It's a head scratcher. It's like, hopefully we don't end up with NHL and major league baseball teams. You'll, you'll, Brought to you by Geico Insurance. <laughs> like <laughs> that could just uh, that could go off the rails quickly. That'll be first intermission by the time they get finished announcing who's playing. All right, tonight's face-off brought to you by, by Coors Light. You got the Edmonton Oilers presented by you know Rexall and Vancouver Canucks presented by whoever. Like it's just ridiculous. Yeah, like, it's. I I can understand team partnerships and team sponsorships, but to literally make them part of your team name is going a little far in my books. Yeah. And this is a name change. It is not just how they're saying it. It's, it's, it's out there. Oh, crazy, crazy. The last thing to me that I found just incredibly mind boggling, it was a stat. And I was just like, really? No, this can't be. Corey Perry of the Montreal Canadiens has more goals than Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall combined. Not not just both of them, combined. Are you kidding me? What is going on in Buffalo? Like Corey Perry is not Corey Perry. He's not the the 40 goal man that we're talking about from five seasons ago who would cross check your goalie into the net and then score a hat trick. Like this is Corey Perry who might score 10 goals this year. <laughs> Who's ahead of Eichel Hall? What is going on? This, this is Corey Perry, who's been on the taxi squad a whole bunch this season. And the only reason, this is what they said, I think it was uh, last night, the only reason he's playing right now is because if they were to put him back on the taxi squad, he'd have to go through waivers, and they figure someone would pick him up. So he's in the lineup because they solely just don't want to lose him. He's on a league minimum deal. And between Eichel and Hall, they're making $18, $19 million for for two goals each. And remember, you said you would take Jack Eichel in a trade. I just want to, I I don't want you to forget that. 
I still would. You know, you. Uh, this is mind-boggling to me. Like, we don't need to get into the Buffalo Sabers. That's a tire fire. We've talked about it on a few of our last episodes. But literally, this just this stat just like was like, yep, that that just hits the nail on the head. Because Corey Perry should not have more goals than these guys, let alone combine. Just this is so off the wall. I can't even believe it. Have have we had anyone score four goals in a game yet this year? I don't think so. Well, I mean, that's, pro- that's probably a good thing for Hall and Eichel. I'd say that's just one less thing we can add to it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so there you have it. That's our, are you kidding me for this week? There's some real head scratchers in this week's episode. Looking at you, Corey Perry. So let us know what you guys think at the BleacherCon 1, at the BleacherCon 2. We're active on Twitter and we want to hear from you guys. So reach out and we'll we'll get engaged with you. Uh, that'll take us into our last segment of the show. And this one was a bomb that was dropped earlier this week. And to be honest, I don't know what to think about this. The only thing I do know what to think about this is this is great timing for some of the episodes we have lined up over the next couple of weeks. What am I referring to? There was a bomb dropped this week that the CFL and the XFL are in talks on a partnership, merger, collaboration. I don't know what we want well, to call hold on, it. Hold on, but well, the, well, the bomb that went off was the CFL and XFL are talking. And then through the explosion of that bomb, everyone has pulled out these little pieces like you just said. It, it has gone off. This is like, you don't know you're in a war until you hear that bomber playing overhead. And by the time you do, it's already too late because they've dropped the bomb. This is huge. Well, there was 20 bombers that came overhead on this one. I I was stunned when I saw this. I'm like, I didn't even know what to think. And then, so I, I in my typical fashion, I, I don't overreact to a lot. And I kind of, I had to think to myself, okay, what's happening here? And I, I kind of get into reading stuff on Twitter and everybody's all up in arms about, you know, we're going to lose our three down football. We're going to go four down football, or I can't believe Canadian football is going to go away and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, people are going nuts. Here's what I'm going to say. We don't know anything. Nothing's been said. So don't lose your marbles over this. Let's sit back. Let's let these guys talk. Let's let these guys come up with the game plan. I'm sorry. You have Dwayne, the rock Johnson promoting your league right now. So why don't you be positive about that instead of going off the rails? So in, in my opinion, take a step back and let's not, I'm reserving judgment on my thoughts on this till I know more. Am I going to speculate and talk about it? Absolutely. I am. I run a podcast. I have to, but I'm not going to go off the rails and, and start throwing accusations out there because we just don't know folks. So, you know, calm yourselves. Yeah, this is a, the doom cloud that came from this. You're right. It is a lot of the Canadian game's going to die. We're going to lose the CFL. We're going to lose the three downs. We're going to lose the fabric of Canada in not having the CFL. Well, I'm with you. I'm not making any judgments on this until something of actual substance that's worth reporting comes out of it. The fact that they're talking, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's what I'm going to say. I've said this before. We've talked about this. And this goes back many, many, many episodes ago. CFLs already have already not played a full season. Yep. The CFL is potentially, they're talking about coming back into play and it sounds very positive. But if the CFL, this is my opinion, and some of the things that when we talked to Kelly Bates about when he said that, when he said that the players weren't getting paid, yeah, I can tell you right now, they're focusing on getting cleats on the field. If that doesn't happen this season, sorry, folks, your CFL is going to go away regardless. So you, the way I kind of look at it is the fact that they're talking to Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who is a brand amongst himself. That man could sell air 
to a person on the street if it had his name attached to it. He is universally known. He could run for president and win just because of who he is, not anything he says. I want to take it one step further. One of the other the owners, Danny Garcia, who's actually his, his ex-wife, is a very successful businesswoman and has been for a very long time. When The Rock had seven bucks in his pocket and was just coming up in the wrestling scene, she was making big time deals and already successful in the business world. If you want the CFL to, to continue to exist, then you need to look at change. You need to look at growing because if you become stagnant and you stay in place and you refuse to change, guess what? You're going away like the dinosaurs. You will go extinct because no one wants to see the same old tired product all the time. There has been change in the CFL. If you want the CFL to be pure, then we get rid of the forward pass because guess what? The CFL started without a forward pass. If that's what you want, and if you really want to have the CFL stay the same, then get prepared to say goodbye to it because you have to grow the game. You have to grow the attraction of it. And if you can say that Dwayne Johnson's going to show up at a game in, on this week, you know that stadium is going to be full. And if you can make some excitement and bring it to it, then so be it. I would rather watch four down CFL football or the CFL with some new rules than no CFL at all. I'd rather be talking about the CFL than talking about it because it no longer exists and try to explain yeah. it to someone in 15 years who never saw a game. I want to be talking about the CFL in the present tense, not the past tense. Yeah. And I, I think there's a lot of the purest and, and I don't get it. These, these people that say they love the CFL, they don't want it to change. They don't want it to say, you have to open your eyes and realize it will go away if they don't play. It will go away. It is a gate-driven league. And the gates are down and have yep. been for a couple seasons now. Yeah, like Kelly Bates said it. The players aren't getting paid. They're not making any money. How long do you think those players are going to stick around and collect nothing? If they can go to the XFL, if they can go to a spring league, if they can get on as a practice roster in the NFL – They'll go, right? Like it, it's it's just absolutely mind-boggling that people are willing to almost say, let it go. Micah Alwe uh, re responded to a tweet, one of the tweets that I had a reply to as well, saying when someone said, do the players actually care about the fans and all that? He said, I care. We get paid by our team. Our team gets money one way and one way only from you, the fans. Can't speak for every other player, but I know that I care. No fans, no money no business. So people need to realize that if you threaten to not support the league, you're saying you love, it's going to go away. And there's been some people out there who are saying that you don't care about the league unless you're pumping money into it during a pandemic. Um, that doesn't make you a fan. Supporting the team league teams and league isn't about how much money you pump into it, but it is also not like supporting the league. You got to allow for some change. It's like, if my parents thought I was the, you know, they, they liked me the best when I was five years old and didn't want me to change. Well, guess what? That's not going to be beneficial for me because if, if you're, you know, as a 40 year old now, if I have to act like a five-year-old, because that's the way, you know, they want well, you to do me, sometimes, but I, you didn't have to bring that up, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like to think more of it as a 25 year old kind of way, a little bit, you know, older than five, but you got to grow and change. If you, everybody grows and change, no one is the same person they were, two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. People change, leagues change. You got to do it or you're just going to get left behind. So I am all for the potential for change that will save the CFL if that's what it comes down to it. I look at just as recently as last season in Major League Baseball. They needed to make changes to make things happen. They went to seven inning double headers. They went to universal DH in both leagues to for player safety reasons the purists of the game were freaking out about it you're starting with a runner on second base in extra innings to speed the game up the purists were freaking out well guess what ladies and gentlemen some of these rules are here again this year 
because the players, A, the players liked it, B, the fans liked it. Like, what's wrong with a seven-inning doubleheader? Especially, it's a doubleheader. You're getting 14 bloody innings of baseball at minimum. So what do you care? Like, and in the grand scheme of things, is two innings going to make a difference? Having a runner on second base to start extra innings. Loved it. I loved it. I didn't see a game go 19 innings all season. Yeah. I saw games end quickly. I, it was exciting, especially if you managed, say, you were in the top of the ninth and that guy didn't score. The bottom of the ninth, you're like, oh, I get to start with a guy on second base. Like, I'm going to win. Like, it, 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 it added excitement. So guess what, folks? Change is good. And I look at this CFL, XFL thing, and I go, the CFL has to change. The, the fan base is down. The fan base is old. The CFL is an old man's game. Oh, I can't believe I'm saying that about myself. But <laughs> let's face it. CFL fans range from, let's say, 35 to 70. That's not going to work moving forward. When there's Today's generation is so fixated on, on technology and media. And I want it like this, and I want it now. The CFL has not adapted to that. So you know what? Maybe bringing in a fresh mind like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who kind of relates to some of these younger generations, maybe having a guy like that, will do wonders for your brand. And he might be able to do things on technology and social media that bring exposure to the league. We don't know if we're talking about a merger or a collaboration or Canadian teams playing in the United States. But the fact that people are talking is what's important because there's a realization by the ownership in the CFL. Everybody's giving Randy Ambrosi the, Ambrosi the gears over this. This ain't Ambrosi. This is the owners going, we got a real problem. Randy, go and figure something out for us. If anybody thinks this is Ambrosi going rogue, nah. This is the owners going, make us money. Make us money now. We're in trouble. He so, pays, he's paid by the owners. Exactly. So he's doing what he needs to do. And if that means partnering with another up and coming league to potentially grow your, grow your viewership and your, your content and your media. It's just like yours and mine podcast. We need to find other avenues to try to grow it. So you find those bloody avenues. That's what they're doing. So stop ripping on them. If you don't want this league to be around in five years, then let it be status quo because it won't be here. So we got to do something. If you say status quo, I don't think it's five years. It's I think it's the next two. It's I think now. it's within two years. Exactly. The the thing that partnering with Dwayne Johnson could bring, he's got the Titan games on network television. He has Young Rock, which is about his life. He's had a show on HBO. Netflix has him in their movies now. He's in movies for major studios. Are you telling me that this is a guy, this is a guy that has connections? Yep. real connections that could definitely potentially be used to get a better i mean this is no knock on tsn tsn does a great job of giving canada canada the game excellent job this is not a knock on them this would be about bringing the exposure of the cfl to the american television viewing audience who loves football because you know loves we would talk to football. people we would talk to people like on the you know the network and they don't really get to see the CFL or they heard, they've heard of it. Well, come on. Like if you're the CFL, you want to be down there because a lot of your players are coming from the States. Yes. You have the national rules and you know, the national players have to be a certain number, but you have to bring excitement to the game. And no one has even said that maybe the XFL is going to adopt some of the Canadian rules and things to be a feeder league into the CFL or allow, allow it to be so that players can be called up and down or, you know, the CFL players can play in the XFL if they're off in different times playing. We don't know what it's about. I think everyone just kind of needs to pump the brakes a little bit and not just go straight to the big red panic button. Cause that is really what's been going on. And yeah, it, there is a lot of off-base comments being made, I would say. On both sides of the argument, there was a very public figure in, in Saskatchewan that 
went on a rant that I didn't agree with in one iota. You already mentioned it. But then, you know, he's kind of very pro XFL, kind of, he looked at it the very same way we did. Well, we, we need to grow this league. So I agreed with him there, but he was off base in some of his arguments, but then the pro CFL, Oh, we can't lose our glove, our beloved game and the rules will gear off base. We, there's gotta be a happy medium here that people can get to. And the important thing to me that we take out of any of this is before we like you just said, we hit the panic button. We don't know what's happening. What we do know is happening is the CFL realizes there's a problem and the CFL is trying to correct that problem. You cannot fault anybody for trying and trying to correct a problem. They are doing what they need to do. Sometimes you have to get creative. Sometimes you have to do the unthinkable to solve a problem, but it's important for all Canadian Football League fans to understand they're having these conversations because they have to. Yeah. They have to. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the things that Kelly Bates told us that before David Braley bought the lions out of receivership, not just the players, but all employees were essentially running to the bank to cash their checks to make sure there was enough money for it. Yeah. It was a race to the bank. Yeah. David Braley, not just didn't just save the lions or the Argonauts or the Hamilton tiger cats, all three teams. He owned the tiger cats first. Then he owned the lions as he owned the lions. He also owned the Argos. This man saved the league. Not our words, Kelly Bates' words multiple times. What does that tell you? Right? Like, you need to have a stable league. So looking to find ways to do it is something that is, I think, needed, the correct way the thing to do. And we just got to wait and see what happens. And whatever comes from it, I will be there to support the CFL. Yeah, you said it at the start. I would rather watch four down CFL than no CFL. That does not get any clearer in my mind than that. I would rather watch some football than no football. Yep. Done deal. That's, that is all that matters. And that's all that should matter to fans of football in Canada is that we have something and not nothing. A viable CFL is what we want and need. And I'm all for it. Do what you need to do. Yep. Well, there you have it. What are your guys' thoughts on the CFL XFL? Are we crazy? Or are you guys excited about it? I'd, I'd love to hear from you at the BleacherCon 1 or Ken is at the BleacherCon 2. Or again, reach out on Facebook at the Bleacher Connection. Well, and that's our show for the week. And like I said, we've got some exciting things coming up here. We're, uh, we're not going to stop working on it. We're going to keep trying to bring everything we can. That's the best content. And we look forward to, to doing this. We really enjoy it. And uh, we hope you guys do. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, everyone.